I will share with the visitors, this doesn't happen every week, every other week maybe. <laughs> Open your Bibles with me to Philippians chapter 2, Philippians chapter 2. Every year at Christmas, there are certain movies that I, I have to watch, not I like to, I just have to watch them. And, and one of them is It's a Wonderful Life, you know, the Jimmy Stewart movie. And uh, he plays a man named George Bailey. Well, George has this big dream that he's going to go off to college. He's going to be a world traveler. But instead, he winds up having to take over his father's building and loan business, which is more of a charity than it was a business. And, and he becomes so disappointed in what he has become that one day he says he wishes he'd never been born. Well, at that point in the movie, Clarence, his angel, uh, it, he intervenes and he shows him what life would have been like had George Bailey never been born. His hometown of Bedford Falls becomes Pottersville, named after the greedy, mean old banker. His old boss, the druggist, would have turned into the town drunk because George wasn't there to keep him from making a terrible terrible error with one of the medications and so the angel shows him just how many lives he actually touched with his life I think as we watch that movie we all think of ourselves a little bit like George Bailey we want to have a life that is making a difference we want to have a life that counts a life that really has helped other people in some way. In this world, we have today what are called influencers. These are people who get paid by advertisers to get people to listen to them babble on and on about something that they're really good at. It could be adventure, travel, makeup artists, uh, fitness guru, or auto repairs, video gamers. That's really big. The list can go on and on and on. In fact, there are people who go to amusement parks, you know, like Disney and all that, every day of their working life, and they make videos about what they've done at the park that day. And, and they make incredible money doing that. They're called influencers. We as believers, we should be influencers. It, it should be our goal that we, as we head into this new year, that we're going to become influencers. We're going to, in the new year, make a difference in the world that we do have influence on. Now, if we want to make it that our goal, if we want to make a difference in this world, if we want to influence some people, there are some, some things that we need to do to get ready to be a proper influencer for the kingdom of God. Let me share with them with you. There's four of them. The first one, and this is in your outline, uh, the conduct. I want to share with you the conduct of a difference maker. What is the conduct of a difference maker? And it's found in, in our text, Philippians chapter 2, verse 14. He says, do all things without murmuring, grumbling, or questioning. Do all things without grumbling, or questioning the Christian life is all about doing that first word do we have to do 
And, and that's something we have maybe shied away from. Our salvation is nothing we have done. But our work for Christ after that is all about what we do. We are to be about doing, not just sitting, we're to be out serving. The Bible says to be ye doers of the word, not hearers only. Faith, faith that does not result in some kind of service is a dead faith. That's what the Bible says. But there is a way that we are to serve God. It's a manner in which we are to conduct ourselves. Paul says here to do it without grumbling or questioning, without murmuring and disputing. Now that word grumbling means whispering, muttering. It, it speaks of a private complaining, a private murmuring that we do about how things are going in this life. Uh, one of the most unbecoming things of a Christian, I'll say this, the most unbecoming thing of any person, but especially the Christian, can be that of a chronic complainer. You know the type, don't you? You're not that way, but you know people who are. It doesn't matter what is going on around them. They're going to find something to complain about. Always finding fault. Never content, never happy. A monk. He went into a monastery and, and he agreed that he was not going to speak. He took a vow of silence. And by their rules, he could only say two words every 10 years. Two words every 10 years. After his first 10 years, he comes in to the leader and he says, bed hard. He goes back to his room. 10 years later, he comes back in front of the, the uh, leader and he says, food bad. After the third 10 years, he comes in and he says, I quit. The leader says, that doesn't surprise me a bit. You haven't done anything but complain for the last 30 years. <laughs> there are some Christians who never seem to speak unless it's a word of complaint. Either about their condition, or they're complaining about someone else, or they're complaining about the church, or they're complaining about... Now, that list just goes on and on. Don't get me wrong. All of us have complaints from time to time. But some people are constant complainers. And that's what I'm talking about. Complainers are seldom going to become difference makers. They're not going to be influencers, especially not influencing for the good. Usually they're just on the sideline criticizing those who are making a difference. Chronic complaining damages our testimony. Would you hear that again? Chronic complaining is going to damage your testimony. It discourages others. And it is not pleasing to God. When God delivered the people of Israel from Egypt, their greatest downfall was that they, they were constant complainers. God gave them bread from heaven. They said, we're tired of this manna. A little bit later, they said, we, we want meat. We, we're thirsty. Why did you bring us out here, God, just to let us die? Just constantly complaining. When we constantly complain, we're saying, God... Your provision is not good enough. Isn't that what they were saying about the manna? 
Then God sends them meat, and, and, and they say, this isn't all we want. Now we're thirsty. You're saying that God's intentions are unjust. By complaining about his provision, you're saying that his grace is not sufficient for you. Now to overcome the complaining, we have to begin to trust God. Trust a God whose intentions are always good on your behalf. Whose grace is always sufficient for every circumstance. Who is personally available to you all the time. If we're going to be difference makers, if we're going to be influencers in our world, we cannot be complainers and disputers. That's the conduct of a difference maker, the conduct of an influencer. Before we come to this table this morning, as we, we approach the Lord's Supper, we need to first come to the throne of God's grace. And we need to confess our sin. We need to turn from our wicked way. Repentance, turn from that complaining. Say to God this morning, God, I know that I, I, I have this ugly side of me. I know that I always look for what is wrong in things. God, please forgive me. Secondly, I want you to see the character. The character of a difference maker. That's in verse 15. Just the first part of verse 15. If we're, if we're going to have this conduct, what, what does it look like? He says, that you may be blameless and innocent children of God without blemish. Now I'll get to the rest of the verse in our next point. But those few things, blameless, innocent, children of God without blemish. Now in in recent years, since I've been around anyway, this world is asking the question, does character really matter? And a large per portion of our society has concluded that character is not the important thing. Character is not important on the job as long as you get the job done. In other words, a person can act like a fool, but, you know, he works. You especially see this in... Uh, like fast food places or uh, stores that you go into, people who are not doing, you know, how you expect them to do, and, and you say something to the manager, yeah, but you know what? He is the only one in here that, that really gets the job done. So you're going to keep him and, and let him put down uh, what you think, what you've done. So we need to understand that when we're, we're talking about the character, there are certain things that God wants us to do. Make no mistake about this. To God, character is everything. If we're going to be difference makers, if we're going to be influencers, we have to become people of character. Paul gives us this list. First of all, he says blameless, unblameable. He's speaking here of who we are before man, who we are in front and around each other. He's saying there, there should be nothing in our lives that someone else could come up and point their finger at you and, and blame you. Someone said to me, I don't care what other people think. You know what? When we're talking about I want to do what God wants me to do, that's, that's fine. But actually, if you're a born-again Christian, you better care 
what this world is thinking about you. Don't, don't let them find fault in your lifestyle. The lost world is looking for something to discredit your testimony so now they can reject the Savior and still have a good conscience. You've heard of Gandhi, right? This is what Gandhi said. He said, I don't refuse Christianity because of Christian scripture, but because of Christians. What an indictment on Christianity. We have to be unblameable. And then he says to be innocent, unmixed. In the King James, it's the word harmless. In the Greek, it means to be pure, unadulterated. Innocent is a good translation. It was a term that was used to, um, about wine that was never diluted with water. If unblameable speaks about how, our, how we're to be before man, this is a word that speaks of how we are before God. Man looks on the outward, but God looks at the heart. Jesus said this of the Pharisees. He said, um, you are whitewashed tombs. In other words, uh, on the outside, you're white and clean, but on the inside, you're rotting dead bones. God is primarily concerned with who you are on the inside. By that I mean the way you think, what motivates you, what you desire, those kinds of things. The opposite of this is impure. Beloved, God knows who you really are. You, you come to church, put on the smile, you know, act like and try to look like what you're supposed to look like as a Christian. You put on your suit, you put on your tie, you know, you... You have that persona, but God knows who you really are. He sees you in your private places. He knows everything you think, everything you do. You can fool some of the people some of the time. You can fool all the people some of the time, some of the people all the time, but you can never fool God. You have to know that. He knows exactly who you are, and he wants us to be real, to be genuine, to be pure. And then he says, unmistakable. He calls it being a child of God. We are to be unmistakably marked as a child of God. Now, what is the primary identifier of us as a child of God, as a Christian? My denomination. Oh, I'm a Baptist. Oh, yeah. No. My, my beliefs, not so much. Here's what Jesus says is the identifier. This is what everybody will see that you're a believer, you're a child of God. He says, by this, all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one for another. That's the, that's the identifier. Our love for one another, our love for the people of this world, our love for the lost is going to identify us as children of God. Jesus came to seek and to save that which was lost. That ought to be what we look like. This little boy stood outside a store. It was around Christmas time, and he's looking in the window. His clothes were all torn and, and tattered. And this lady was moved by uh, compassion, brought him into the store, bought him a set of clothes, a couple things, and, and even a, a little toy. And as they were leaving, the little boy looks up and says, Lady, are you God? He's, she said, no, but he's my father. Oh, that's how it ought to be. 
that people will look at you and say, you look like Christ. You are a child of God. Be unmistakably a child of God. And then he says to be unblemished. Now this ties them all together. Now, of course, we're not going to be perfect. Not until the day that we see Christ face to face. He presents us faultless in the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. But this is, this is to be our, our goal. This is what we're striving to become in this life. To become more like Christ. We are to becoming more like him. Build your life on these characters. They're there in your bulletin. You take them home with you. Build your life around these things and you will be a person of character. You will be a person that influences your world. Now next I want to share with you the context of the difference maker. What is the context of all of this? Why why am I to be blameless and innocent? Why should I look like the child of God? Why should I be unblemished? The rest of that verse says, this is where we do it. This is the context. Where do we do these things? In the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. Where are we to live this life? In the walls of the church, youth fellowship, um, church social, well, kind of, yeah, we are too, yes. But Paul tells us, the Holy Spirit tells us, we're to do this in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation. We're to do this among the lost whom you shine as lights in the world. We are supposed to live this life right there in the middle of a crooked and perverse nation. Crooked speaks of moral evil. And perverse means moral, uh, uh, twisted nature. We're to, we're to live this life in front of a moral, evil, twisted nature society. Does that not describe our day and time? Right now, here today... As we come into this new year, we're going to come into a new year still in a twisted and perverted generation. This right here, right now, in a, in a place that calls everything that is wrong, right, and right, wrong. And that's right where God wants us. There are people watching your life. They're listening to the words that you say. They're, they're weighing heavy on their eternity by just what you do as a Christian. We are to be people who love God more than we love ourselves. Know what Jesus has done for us and live our lives differently. And we're to do it in this twisted and perverted generation. In John 17, Jesus prayed for you. He, he said, I do not ask, God, that you would take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from the evil one. We are to be a shining light in this sin-darkened world. Church, it's time that we realize why we are here. 
if we were only here to worship God, now worshiping God is one of our biggest primary goals. That's what we do. But that's not the only reason that we're here. If that was the only reason, God would have just taken us to heaven where we would have wonderful worship for eternity. If, if our only reason for being here was for fellowship with one another, again, God would have just taken us right on to heaven. We could have perfect fellowship. God has left us here to be to shine his lights in this world. Shine that light into a, a world of sin. The Bible never teaches us to bring people to church. I, I wish you'd find it for me, and, and it's not there. The Bible teaches that we're the church, and we're to take the church to the people. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. The greatest difference maker in the world, the greatest influencer that has ever been here is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what they said of him. He is a friend of publicans and sinners. Now the context of a difference maker is being right in the middle of our lost world, contrasting that world with your light. Contrasting the darkness with your light. Be the light. Like a star, contrast the dark sky. We're to be that light in this world. If you're going to be a difference maker, we have to both be around and befriend the lost. Not to allow them to influence us, but we are to make a difference in their life. We exist in this world for them. And finally, this morning, I want you to consider the contribution of a difference maker. What do you have to contribute to making a difference in this world? Well, it's right there in our text, verse 16. Holding fast the word of life. So that in the day of Christ, Paul says, I may be proud that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. What are we to do? Hold for, forth the word of life. When someone asks you, what is the difference in your life? You can take them to the scripture. Take them to the word of life. The word of God. The gospel of Jesus Christ. Our friends are dead spiritually. And the Bible says that they are headed for eternal destruction. We have the word of life. The word of life is their only hope. The gospel of Jesus Christ is their only way. And Paul says that we are holding it out as a lifeline. I saw a documentary quite a while ago on the reservoirs of, of Los Angeles. And when they have some heavy rains like they've had recently, then things fill up and they flow like raging rivers. And every once in a while, an, un, an unfortunate individual will fall into that thing and, and be swept down that river. It's... it's almost uh, inevitable that they're going to die they're going to hit rocks and trees and whatever else is is downstream well the this documentary had a clip of a clip of a man going downstream and people were hang, holding out limbs but he just couldn't hang on a helicopter came and dropped a rope down to him but he he just couldn't hold on one thing after another, cords were stretched across the entire reservoir, but he just couldn't hang on. Finally, a man harnessed himself 
and put a rope on himself and jumped into that raging river, grabbed hold of that man and pulled him to safety, saving his life. Perfect picture of a difference maker. Getting into the world of a lost person, pulling them out, giving them life through the gospel of Jesus Christ. Not only making a difference in this life, making a difference in all of eternity. Beloved, the stakes are high. In the new year, will you decide today to make a difference, be a difference maker, be an influencer with the gospel of Jesus Christ? Will you be a doer and not a complainer? Will you allow God to mold your character? Forsaking that which could bring accusation from the lost. It all starts with allowing God to examine and purge your life of those things that only he knows about. As we prepare this table this morning, I I want you to take some time to examine yourself. See if there's any sin that needs to be confessed. You don't need to come up to the microphone. We're not going to do that. You make your confession to God. Go back and read Psalm 51. When David sinned with Bathsheba, he said, against thee and thee alone have I sinned. Your sin is against God. Go to him. Ask him to help you overcome. Ask God to help you shine your light in this coming year to a sin-darkened world. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, as we prepare this table today, I ask that you would prepare our hearts to receive it. And God, that we would, again, just confess our sins so that we could have communion with you openly. Lord, bless what we do here today. Bless your word. I pray, Lord God, if there's someone here today that is lost, that you would, by your Holy Spirit, convict them of the sin. Father, that you would draw them And Jesus, you would save them today. Let them call out to you. And Lord, for those that are here and don't know where you would have them to serve, God, we pray that you would lead God and direct them. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a hymn of invitation. And we invite you today to come to know Jesus as your Savior. We come and ask you to come to him. You come when we sing and come down to the front. And I'll be here to receive you. If you're looking for a church, you want to join First Baptist Church, we'd love to have you. You just need to do the same thing. Come take my hand and we'll lead you through that process. As we stand together and as we sing, you come on this first stanza.